to what extent the original proposal that we put forth in terms of the plan, to what extent that's... Okay, fine. Now, um, before we, we're going to begin the, um, the section of the Mara Nevochen, which deals with, um, with creation. <coughs> now, strictly speaking, and I'm, this of course is everything, you know, everything we say is always subject to judgment. Strictly speaking, this section of Mara um appears in actually section two, from um, chapter 12 till, um, till chapter 30. Um, even though um, the Rambam, strictly speaking, and um, um, I'm calling it chapter 12 to chapter 30, even though actually the discussion, which is the main focus of the Shi'ulim, is in fact the debate or the, the interface between the, what the Rambam understands to be the Jewish concept of creation, namely creation ex nihilo, and um, between the Greek concept of the attorney of the universe, which is one of the, probably the central debate between Greek and Jewish thought, which is not only in the Rambam, but in medieval Jewish thought, I'm actually going to, um, I claim that actually creation really begins really from chapter 12, because the Rambam actually um, um, expounds upon uh, this neoplatonic theory of um, emanations of thought, which, um, which is the description of creation. But strictly speaking, I mean, technically speaking, the issue of Kreshek Nilo versus Tony Universe begins in chapter 13. But in any case, so we have um, those, from there till chapter 30 is in fact actually the, um, the Robin's discussion, the Robin's presentation of the different opinions, the, 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 the Turner, um, philosophy of Kreshek Nilo, the two opinions of Plato and Aristotle regarding the of the universe, the Rambam's, um, the intermittent um, chapters, the Rambam's, critique of Aristotle's um, theory of the turning of the universe, his critique of the Kalams, the Kalam, and then finally in chapter 30 he actually ends with a commentary, a palish, on the first peric, the first two pokem of Bereshis, but there too there are relevant things to, I mean he begins with the, the first pasuk of the Tehra, Bishbon Kim, and all of a sudden he actually um, launches once again into a discussion of creation ex nihilo versus the attorney of the universe. Now, <coughs> um, creation, um, the concept of the creation, as um, from the article that I gave out by Naomi Frankel, I'm not sure who Michael Frankel is, but there are some good comments there which one can check. Um, in fact, um, was actually a um, Maimonidean controversy. Because the question is, despite the fact that the Raman does present what he calls our point of view, Nonetheless, there has been controversy um, since the appearance of the Barnabochen in the 12th century until um, even until recent times. What was the Rambam's true position on um, what was Rambam's true position on, on creation? In other words, did the Rambam mean what he said that the, his true, did the Rambam really mean that his position was the same as the Jewish position of the creation of the yellow? Or did the Rambam subscribe to one of the eternal, to secretly describe, ascribe to one of the eternalist theories, Greek eternalist theories. Now, the fact is, I think maybe because of this, I could go, look to go for a little bit of introduction to this, because in fact, actually, um, what, what, what raises the controversy is that not only are there contradictions in the Rambam, but also the Rambam says at the outset of the Barnavulchim, he's going to contradict himself. In other words, just about every author who contradicts himself probably contradicts themselves inadvertently. 
Maimonides, the Rambam, actually says at the outset of the Merna Vulchan that he's going to contradict himself. In fact, in his famous introduction to the Merna Vulchan, which in the um, Schwartz edition is page 21, and in the, um, the, um, the, um, the, um, the Pinnas edition is page 17, um, the Rambam lists seven types of contradictions um, that one can, um, that, that can appear in, a, in any type of a text. Now, what I want to do is I want to look at the fifth and seventh contradictions, because the Rambam says the fifth, seventh contradictions are the type of contradictions that are going to appear actually in the Bible of the So the Rambam says at the outset, you should know that I'm going to contradict myself. Now, why would a person contradict himself? I'm going to read from the Pinnas edition. The Rambam says in this edition, this is um, in the introduction, which means page 17, the Rambam says like this, there, 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 the Rambam is seven causes. So here the Rambam, the Rambam says that the Mernavuch is to be the fifth cause and the seventh cause. The fifth cause of the Rambam <coughs> arises from the necessity of teaching and making someone understand. For there may be a certain obscure matter that is difficult to conceive. One has to mention it or to take it as a premise in explaining something that is easy to conceive and that by rights ought to be taught before the former, since one always begins with what is easier. The teacher accordingly will have to be lax and using any means that occur to him or gross speculation will try to make that first matter somehow understood. He will not undertake to state the matter as it truly is in exact terms, but rather leave it it's so in accord with Lister's imagination after the latter will understand only what he now wants him to understand. Afterwards, in the appropriate place, an obscure matter is stated in exact terms explained as it truly is. So the problem is saying is that first, the teacher will explain something in a very, very simple way. It might not be totally accurate, but in a very simple way. Afterwards, but he wants people to understand that simple way because that gives people what you would call a intellectual orientation to that concept. Afterwards, later in the work, he might come to explain the matter in a more complicated way. The second way he explains it might be in certain, in certain ways contradictory to the first way he explained it, but it's necessary somehow to orient the person in a very simple way before a person begins to explore the concept with its true complexity. Now, that's the fifth thing. So, but the fifth contradiction is not so difficult. Why? Because we always know we go by the basabasa, we go by the last explanation. <coughs> the more difficult thing is the seventh cause, the seventh contradiction. There, the Rambam says like this, and the seventh contradiction seems to be the heart of real contradictions in the Marna Volkan. Says the Rambam, the seventh cause, <coughs> in speaking about very obscure matters, it is necessary to conceal some parts and disclose others. Sometimes, in the case of certain dicta, this necessity requires that the discussion proceed on the basis of a certain premise, whereas in another place, necessity requires that the discussion proceed on the basis of another premise, contradicting the first one. In such okay, so once again, the Rambam says sometimes there's an all-out stinger. That sometimes a, um, the, I'm, I'm, I'm reading really, I'm trying to read the foolish, literally, in, in, in the Pindus translation, that Sometimes an, a matter can be, can be understood from seven different points of view, seven different premises. So sometimes from a certain premise, you'll say one thing about the thing, and sometimes from a, another premise, right? Another premise, you'll say something which contradicts it. So in other words, certain issues, right, right? Sometimes when discussing them, you have to contradict yourself because certain issues might be multi premisal, might have many premises. Now, says the Rambam in a very interesting thing, the Rambam says in such cases, there was a, in a type of stigma like this, the vulgar, the vulgar meaning the Hamoinam, the proletariat, 
must in no way be aware of the contradiction. Says the Rambam, it's dangerous to tell people there's a contradiction, right? The author accordingly uses some device to conceal it by all means. Ah, so in other words, the Rambam says like this: there are certain things that there's a statement, there's a contradiction, but you can't tell both people there's a contradiction. They'll freak out. They'll think, oh, what's going on there? You know, they'll, 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 you'll do more harm than good. So you have to contradict yourself, but you have to contradict yourself in, in a way in which most people will not be able to pick out the contradiction. Lemaisa, this seventh cause is really the, probably the most essence, because here we see that this is really what scholars call that the Moranavuchim, this is actually a term, the term is also used by 20th century, 19th and 20th century scholars, but actually it's used in different lashonas by the even medieval commentators, there's what the commentators have always described to the Rambam is what's called an esoteric message and an exoteric message. In other words, the Mernavuchim has what's called an exoteric message, a message to the Hamaynam. They read the Mernavuchim, they get something very good, that's the Hashkafa. And then there's a secret esoteric message. In other words, the Rambam is trying to communicate different things to different people. How does the people who are enlightened, who are intelligent, pick up the esoteric message? They pick up these stilas, which most people can't pick up. And from these stilas, they understand what's called the esoteric message. Now, the etzem, it's all agreed upon that the Rambam is saying himself in the Mahayana The question is, what are the stilas? I mean, we found plenty of stilas. And number two, how to interpret the stilas. Okay, now, <clears throat> it turns out, in such a case, there seems to be <clears throat> a little bit of a, I mean, of course, these stilas of the Rambam were approached differently, but those who took the stilas, who believed in the esoteric versus the, I mean, there's some people who didn't believe that, who believe that everything is Musha for the Rambam, but those, those commentators who believe that there was an esoteric message, right, the Rambam's trying to hide things, so um, it turns out that this, there, there is a difference of opinion between what we call the medieval, the, um, the classic commentators, and between the modern commentators, right? Now, um, what I'm referring to is an article which is by, um, written by Ravitsky. It's called The Secrets of Maimonides Between the 13th and 20th Centuries. And there, um, I'll, I'll just read the, the very beginning, the first paragraph. It's an excellent article. Pierce, and actually Ravitsky has a collection of works, which actually is in the university. In the, it's actually in the shelves there. You can get it out. Actually, Xerox it from the shelves. <clears throat> Ravitsky says, this paper will explore the areas of investigation opening up before the modern study of Maimonides, esoteric teachings in light of its medieval an antecedents. Um, in particular, we'll focus on the very recently scholarly developments on the relationship to the very earliest interpretations by 13th century commentators. In other words, there's a whole history of Maimonidean, uh, Maimonidean interpretation. What is the esoteric message of the Mernav Now, um, it seems that the... Um, the, um, the medieval, com the, the most important medieval commentators um, were people like Ibn Kaspi and, and, and Moshe Narboni. Okay? They were the um, very important medieval commentators of the Marina Volchem. And their belief, right, and um, I'm just going to read um, the important point which, um, which Risky says about them. Um, Ibn Kaspi and Arboni, on page 255, for example, were not inhibited about discuss, disclosing the views on Maimonides' belief in the eternity of the world, with its radical legal implications. The former emphasized in regard the importance of the book's intentional contradiction. Their opinion was, that in fact, 
even though the Rambam professed that the Jewish point of view was creation next to Yalal, the Rambam was a secret of Aristotelian, and the Rambam held that the true sheet of the Torah, the true philosophy of the Torah, was none other than the philosophy of Aristotle. Um, um, in fact, um, and in fact, actually, um, the Rambam's actually true belief was that in um, that the world was eternal. Um, and um, here he, I, um, there was um, here quoting from um, if the study the writings of our, of our Rabbi Moses of our Rabbi Moses in death, it appeared to me that our teacher was not unaware to such an extent of the statement of Aristotle. It was his wish to conceal the statements and led him to a bivalent speech. But the statements may be explained in such a way to conform with the truth. As in the text of the exegy to interpret statements of the sage in such a way to conform to the truth, whatever it is potentially embodied in the statements. This is all the more the case when the interpreter finds in some passages statements which openly conform with the truth. But this obliges them to understand some passages on the base of others, to link them and combine them until they form a single homogeneous form that accords in general with the truth found in a few passages. To be sure, my mind is spoken allusions in an arcane manner as was his custom, for they touch upon God's essence the eternity of the existence. Now, basically, these these traditional commentaries understood that the Rambam understood that the true sheet, the Rambam actually believed in the Aristotelian eternity of the universe. But that, in fact, and that was the true sheet of the Torah. And um, I'm not going to go, going to go into this in detail right now, maybe I'll, I'll print it out Mr. for next time, but that was actually the sheet of the Rambam. Now, this was actually the sheet of many of the Mephoshim in the, in the Middle Ages. And then things quieted down until the, um, until the, um, the, um, the modern era. And the modern era actually, he says, begins with the, what's called the Shadal, Shmuel Daim David Lutzato. But actually, the modern era begins with the, um, he calls the two great interpreters, the expounders of the satiric message to be Leo Strauss, and, um, and, and, and Shlomo Pinus. And the question is, what is the secret of the um, God? By the way, Shmuel Ibn Tibon also understood that basically that the Rambam's true shita was a Sicilian philosophy. In fact, he asked the Rambam very pointed questions, and the Rambam didn't answer him. Okay? But he says like this, right? According to Strauss and his followers, however, the secrets be found precisely in the vast discrepancy between scripture and philosophy, in the profound gap between law and science between Jerusalem and Athens. Um, these esoteric interpretable Middle Ages did not look for money secret in some hidden new passage, in as yet undisclosed metaphysical truth, but rather in the conformity between two already given traditions, the sources of Judaism and those of universal science. Those truths which have been concealed ever since the time of our prophets and sages are today all known to the nations of the world. I'm quoting from um, Shmuel Tibon, Eben Tibon. The secrets of the Torah, for the Torah concealed what existence as revealed to the philosophers. In other words, the medieval philosophers held the secrets matches the Torah was a Brazilian philosophy. That's what they held in the Rambam, right? However, right, so basically, the secrets end up overlapping between the covert content of the Torah and the overt content of philosophy, a secret embodied in the daring philosophical allegorization of scripture. Scholars of later generations, such as Ibn Kaspi and Narboni, were even more far-reaching in the disclosures of the ramifications which might ensue with regard to the issues of creation, prophets, etc. According to Strauss and Pinus, on the other hand, Maimonides' secrets is precisely the distinction between revelation and sexual apprehension, between the free will of the middle creator and the wisdom of the cosmic mover, between law and science, between Rambam as a religious leader and Rambam as a leader's philosopher. In other words, Stra in other words, 
even Kasmin Aboni and Shmuel Tibon understand that the message of the modern Volkham is the terrorists come to tell you Aristotelian philosophy. The terrorists come to tell you science. There was the message of the Torah is Aristotle. The Torah is revealing the secrets of Aristotle. Only later on did the Goyim actually like catch wind of it, but we, like the Torah knew it all along. Strauss says no. The, 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 the secret of the Rambam is that Lemaisa, there's a big contradiction, a tremendous gap between philosophy and the Torah. The question is where the Rambam hold. Was the Rambam, was the Rambam truly a from person? Or did he didn't, he didn't buy it? He felt the religion was the opium for the masses. And he himself believed in the philosophical point of view. Right? According to the esoteric of the God, the content of the philosophical faculty of the positive was but a noble lie, a platonic myth designed to make philosophy acceptable to the broad public and give it religious legitimization. In other words, the Rama was just thinking you could, you, could, you could fool the people to think that in fact actually philosophy really coincides with the Jewish religion, but in fact it doesn't. It doesn't whatsoever. The philosophical allegoration of scripture had a practical aim, both political and pedagogical, to put the multitude at ease. In other words, the Raman was fooling people. Don't worry, you can miyashiv, you know, um, Aristotle and, and, and the Psukim, the factor is not, you can't do it. You can't miyashiv it. And that's the difference, and that in fact actually, um, <clears throat> and he says at the very end, to conclude the radical, mutable interpretations would agree with Strauss and Penis regarding Maimonides' philosophical conceptions, and even so with God's delivery metaphor in the God. They would disagree, however, on the issue of Mani's view regarding the relationship between scriptural and philosophical sources. In other words, like this. They agree that the Rambam was says to himself, right? That the Rambam held the truth of Judaism was, in fact, what? Philosophical. However, where would they disagree? They would disagree the following day. The traditional commentators held, the Rambam held, that the, true, that the Torah knew philosophy. And the true message of the Torah is the Jerusalem philosophy. That's what they would hold. Strauss would say, no. Really, in fact, the Torah has nothing to do with the philosophy. In fact, actually, philosophy makes the Torah totally, irre totally irrelevant, totally illogical, and no one intelligent should believe it. What is the exoteric measurement of Volkheim? To make you think that there's some type of a issue, a resolution between philosophy and religion. What's esoteric message of Volkheim? Really, is a bunch of bunk, no one believes it, and I'm just keeping giving the masses their opium. That's actually Strauss and Pinnis. Okay, now... Madsen, both, right, both Madsen's, in my, in my opinion, are both possible. Um, and the mice, it's interesting that both interpreters are really in a certain sense interpreting themselves. Because even Caspi and uh, Thibault were Aristotelians. Otherwise, in the Middle Ages, people, you know, believed in Aristotle. But they were from people. They were from Jews. I don't want to call them like, you know, modern Orthodox Jewish scientists, but they were from Jews who believed the truth of Aristotelian philosophy. So they felt that there was a, that the true message of the Torah is coming, you know, the Torah is coming to teach me, you know, the, the truth, the philosophical truth of Aristotle. Strauss and Pindus are, 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 are atheists. I don't know, atheists, whatever it is. They're certainly, they're not traditional Jews. So really, what they're, what they're claiming in the Rambam is really what they were claiming about themselves. The thing is really bunk. In other words, really, you can't believe in it. In other words, philosophy is really, you can't reconcile philosophy with the Jewish religion. The Jewish religion is, is illogical. It's, it's based upon things which are not tenable. But in other words, you have to keep the masses at ease. Otherwise, they might lose their faith and they might go crazy. And because of that, you have to actually, it's like the platonic illusion. Like you have to somehow 
communicate to the masses that they can rest assured that there's this beautiful reconciliation between science and religion. When in fact, actually, science, in fact, as they know inside, totally overturns and destroys the entire foundations of religion beliefs. So in other words, I'm sure that Strauss held and Pinus held themselves. So each person is actually reading into the Rambam his own personal beliefs about the relationship between philosophy and religion. Kach, Neil, Afyanias, Daiti, there's, and there's no, I mean, they, they can have the gears, you know, the public wants to tell us that people have the gears, and they have the gears too. However, <coughs> I claim that there's a third way of learning the Stevens and the Rambam. And what's my third way? <coughs> my approach is different. Um, it's hard for me to believe that the revelation of the Torah is coming to teach me the truth of Aristotle. And I don't accept the fact, I don't accept, I don't accept that the Rambam was a kaifer. Okay? Can I prove it? No, can I prove it? But do I feel that this is a, um, a reasonable belief? Yes, it's a reasonable belief. Okay? However, I claim <coughs> that I have a raya, that the Ram's understanding of Stevens was slightly different. Why? <coughs> the Rambam, <coughs> Rambam <coughs> speaks like this. The Rambam speaks, he lists seven types of contradictions that can take place in a Sefer. And some of these contradictions place place in the Mishnah. For example, many times it's a steal of the Gemara. So Ram says that one of his steal of the Gemara could possibly be um, that you know one one statement is attributed to one sage, which is to another stage. Now, what about steals in Psukim, though? What about steals in Psukim? I mean, Lachar the Psukim have one author, right? I mean, the Rambam, Lachar believed the Mishnah better wrote the Torah. So, what about steals in Psukim? So, the Rambam is like this. Right? Rambam says that there are certain passages in every prophetic book when taken in their external sense appear to contradict or to be contrary to one another is due to the third cause and to the fourth cause. So the Rambam says stilas that appear in, um, in other words, um, in Psukim can have either a third cause or fourth cause. Now what a third, fourth cause? So on page 17, I'm just reading in English, the third course is not all the statements in question are to be taken in their external sense. Some are taken in their external sense, while others are parables. Okay, so one could be shutai, and one could be a metaphor. Okay? There might be parables. Now, what about the fourth course? There's a proviso that because of a certain necessity, it has not explicitly stated in its proper legs, or the two subjects may differ, but one of them may have not explained the proper say, so the context appears to be says, whereas there is no contradiction. Okay. Now, what exactly does this mean, this fourth course? So, Psalms are like this. Psalms says, as this is the view that the entire introduction was written. It's interesting. This entire introduction was written for the steel between two Pesokim. As the Ram says. And it was with this in view, this entire introduction was written. I don't, I, I don't understand what the Ram is saying here. He wrote this introduction to Marna Volchan. Why is he saying he wrote some introduction for steel between Pesokim? Okay, that's what he says. One already knows how often the stages made the memory be blessed. One verse says this, another verse says that. They straightway establish that there is no apparent contradiction. Thereupon, they explain that the proviso was lacking in the statement of the subject, or that the two texts have different subjects. Thus they said, Solomon, is it not enough for you that your words contradict those of your father? They also contradict themselves, and so on. Okay? Now, cases of this are frequent in the sayings of the sages. However, most of the prophetic statements they refer to concerning commandments or precepts regarding conduct. We, on the other hand, propose to draw attention to verses that are apparently contradictory with regard to opinions and beliefs. Interesting. The Ram says most of the statements of Chazal are statements, you have two Pesukim, two parts of the Torah, and each refers to like, has referred to a different aspect of the dead. 
says the Rambam, what about statements that contradict themselves with regard to opinions of belief? I mean, the Murder book is speaking about opinions of beliefs. Part of this will be explained in some of the chapters of this treatise. For this subject, too, belongs to the mysteries of the Taylor. Interesting, the Rambam says the mysteries of the Taylor include, right, stilas between Pesokin, where the contradictions due to the seventh cause of the founder books of the prophet is a matter for speculative study and investigation. Interesting. The Rambam seems to be saying that it could possibly be, even though the Rambam says that the contradictions in my savior are going to be of the seventh cause, it might be the contradiction between Pesokim might also be because of the seventh cause. What does that mean? The Torah is telling me different statements that contradict each other because the Torah is trying to somehow communicate an esoteric message and basically wants only those people who are intelligent enough to pick it up. That's what the Rambam says. Statements about this should not be a matter of conjecture. Accessory, etc. Interesting. So, first of all, the Rambam is saying here there are two chidushim, as far as two novels, as far as the Rambam is concerned. It seems that the Rambam, even though the Rambam is speaking, I mean, at the end, wants to speak about stilas that appear in his work, the Rambam is claiming that his methodology of speaking to contradictions is really not known. In fact, in the Pesukim, there are stilas between Pesukim. And the Rambam says that these tears between Pesukim, this statement, the tears between Pesukim, is the main part of his introduction. He wanted to explain not the word of Uchim, but tears between Pesukim. <coughs> and he wanted to, to explain that, in fact, that it could possibly be that steel tears between Pesukim come for the seventh cause. Seventh cause meaning, and I'll quote the seventh cause again, in speaking about very obscure matters, is never to conceal some part to disclose others. Sometimes in the case of certain dicta, the statute requires a discussion between the base of a certain premise, whereas in another place, the statute requires a discussion between the base of another premise, contradicting the first one. In such cases, the vulgar must not be aware of the contradiction. The author used some device to conceal it by all means. So if we apply that to Pesukim, that's what Akhanish Baruch Hu is doing. He's, he's, he's actually speaking in terms of, he's actually, there are two Pesukim that appear in the Chobich, and they contradict each other. Only a very intelligent person can pick out the stealer. A normal person won't pick out the stealer. And because of this, but this dealer, why is there a stealer? Because the matter is very esoteric, and it can only be explained and understood through speaking in contradictions. Now, let me say, why am I saying this? I'm saying this the following thing. I claim that the stealers of the Megalavuchim are like this. But the Rambam says in one place A, and another place B, right? I don't hold, like, Naboni and even Kaspi and Shmuel Tibon, that really, what the Rambam is really saying is that B is secretly A. And I don't hold like Strauss, that really, you know, words, you might think that A equals B, but I'm telling you, A has nothing to do with B. I want to say there's a third thing. I want to claim there's certain philosophical issues which are very, very difficult that somehow they can only be explained in terms of contradictions. Otherwise, there are certain philosophical issues that can all be understood. I mean, the complexity of the issue can only be thought of in terms of a contradiction between A and B. That's the secret message. That really, if, you ask, if, if I ask you, what does the Torah say about this? The Torah says it's what they call an irreducible dichotomy. The Torah says about certain issues, that certain issues have certain premises, certain ways of perspectives. 
And that's what the issue is. The Torah cannot give, does not give a resolution to the issue which can be understood without speaking in terms of contradictions. Almost as if I said to you, like, what's an electron? So I'd say it's a wave and a particle. It's neither way, it's both. It's a wave and a particle. There's no way you could resolve the two ways of looking at it. Sometimes I do experiments which emphasize the wave part of it, sometimes I do experiments which emphasize the particle part of it. But you want to ask me what, a, what, is, what, what is an electron? It's sometimes a wave, sometimes a particle. And the secret message of quantum physics is, is that we cannot we cannot understand it using man's intuitive understandings of geometry, space, and time. That's the true message, okay? Now, <clears throat> what is my reason for saying this, for the following thing? Now, the question is, what are the stilos in the Marna Vulcan? <clears throat> so, um, the fact is, is that um, in this article, which I, um, which I, which I have printed out, um, there are different places, but the Ram the Ram appears to be Saisa himself, but the Stila seems to be very, very nuanced. You know, sometimes the Ram says, use this term and that term. Um, the, I mean, probably the, 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 um, the, the most famous, I mean, the strongest Stila from all these modern, um, modern commentators is actually, um, that's a Stila that I, I also know I pointed out too, is the Ram speaks about Navua. And then the Ram says the three types of Navuas refer to the, um, Three types of opinions in um, the creation of the world, the beginning of Paracle on the base. And if you actually work things out, it turns out that our opinion is the opinion of the eternity of the universe according to Plato. That's, you know, the, that's the most often a stila. But I think actually, okay, that's a, the question is what the Ram is saying that. But the fact is that in the Rambam and many Pwakam, the Ram says, if, if you want to believe like this, you want to believe like that. But the Ram, the Ram says in, in Chayla Gimel, um, Heraclid Gimel, the Rambam says there's no purpose to the creation of the world. And the Rambam says no purpose whether you believe the term of the world, whether you believe in what, that the world is creation ex nihilo. Which means most, most places in the Rambam, the Rambam sort of how gives you a choice. Whether you believe like this, whether you believe like that. And the Rambam himself says in, in Chedek Bey's Parachafei that the fact that the person believes the platonic theory of creation of the world, in fact actually it's kosher, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's multiple because you can believe in miracles, etc. However, I want to claim that the Rambam understands that really the shita of the Teva is that we believe in both. And what's my chaya? That we believe in both. In other words, now, what's my chaya? So my chaya is from Paraklamet. In Paraklamet, Chelek Beis, the Rambam makes a statement. And this is why I brought the introduction. I want to claim, that, uh, my claim is, the Rambam's contradicting himself on eternity versus creation ex nihilo stems from a contradiction in the Pesukim themselves. Okay? <clears throat> I'm going to read now from the Pinnis edition. It's in the second volume, page 358. Well, actually, the second volume actually begins with uh, the 200. So it's 358, but it's the second volume. Says the Rambam. This is the very end of chapter 30. In chapter 30, the Rambam basically has done an incredible job explaining the first two Prakim of Bereshis. He's basically told us that the days of Bereshis are not in order. In fact, Bereshis is not speaking about days, he's speaking about hierarchy of creation. He's basically told us Adam Rishon wasn't a person, he's speaking about humanity. He, I mean, the Rambam basically has taken the first two Prakim of Bereshis and basically reduced it to 
to metaphors either about science or humanity. That's how the Rambam is done. Now, the Rambam at the very end of chapter 30 says the following thing. Rambam says, by the way, the Rambam says, the beginning of chapter 30, that there were, there were people of Chazal who believed like Aristotle in the turn of the universe. He says that explicitly. But anyway, like this. In chapter 30, it says that I'm like this. Ram says, among the things you ought to reflect upon are the four words that occur with relationship to the relationship between the heavens and God. In other words, the Torah has four terms which it uses when it refers to creation. These are Bora, Osa, Kona, and Kel. Okay? For example, it says, Bresh Bolochim is Shemayim Vesorvets. Now, these terms, right, refer to Briyash Mi'ayin. Yitzira does refer to Briyash Mi'ayin. Yitzira is only applied to shaping and forming configuration or to one of the accidents, for shaping configuration or also accidents. Okay? However, the God exists the prop of the whole of the world, which is concept by the heaven and earth, the term Bar is used. For according to us, it signifies bring to existence out of non-existence. So Bara means Briyesh That's what the Rambam says. Even though the Rambam says in chapter 25, that's what Bara means. Even though the Rambam says in chapter 25 that if we, if we would be proved that, that the world was eternal, we would have to explain Briyesh's Bara in some other way. But that's what the Rambam says. <coughs> so the Rambam says, <coughs> so once again, <coughs> Bala means Briyamesh Miyayim. Asa is applied to specific forms which are given to them, I mean their natures. Kana, because the Kanish Baruch means, ah, now what about the verb Kana, right? Kainashamayim, what is it? Um, it says, Kaina, um, what does it say? Um, Kana is. Um, um, who was that? That was Avram and um, who? Eliezer to Malkitzadik. 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 Now, says the Rambam. Says the Rambam. I know, and Avram Avinu says back. Kelal yain kaneishamayim va'aretz. What's he saying? Whatever it is. Ah. Oh. So he says, <coughs> with reference to them, it says kana, which means possession. Kana literally means possession. Says the Rambam, because he, with the capital H, may be exalted, has dominion over them just as master has over slaves. For this reason, he is called Adoin Ha'aretz. However, as there is no Lord without there being something possessed by him, and this tends toward the road of the belief in the eternity of a certain matter. Incredible! The Torah used a verb which implies the eternity of the world. Because when I say what's in Mashma, it's already there. You don't create a slave, you own a slave. This is the very end of chapter 30, which the Amaratzim have already fallen asleep. You know, they haven't. This is the very, very end. He says like Derek Agra. So what's the Rambam saying? In my opinion, this is a contradiction. What the Rambam is saying is that the Torah itself 
is using a term to describe a Kaddish Baruch Hu, which implies that the Rabbis is a tense, the, the translation is tense, <coughs> that the world's eternal. Oh, very, very good. So now, <coughs> we can imply, we can go back to the introduction of the Ramba. What do we say? The Ramba says in his introduction that a stira between two pesukim could actually be for the reasons of the seventh cause, which is what? This is an obscure matter, which we want to hide from the vulgar, but to really understand the Indian, you can only understand it unless we speak in contradictions. So my claim is, is that whatever stigmas there are in the Rambab regarding Ambrish, um, Bi'ayin, and Kadmus Ha'olam, actually stem from what the Rambam understood to be a steel between two psukim. And that's, and interesting enough, that's what the Rambam says. That's the purpose of the introduction. The Rambam says, the Rambam says, as it was with this in view that this entire introduction was written. Which means, says the Rambam, the steelers that appear in the morning of Uchim, of course the steelers in Psukim. I claim that the Torah explicitly made Maz obscure, but only to those people who understood. For most Amaratsim, the Torah made things very partial. That's what the Rambam is saying. Now, which means, we have very good, the Rambam is cannot be careless. But the Rambam is claiming that there are certain very deep philosophies of the Torah that the Torah felt the need to explain it through contradiction. Obviously, the matter was so complex and intricate that a person could not possibly cover it within a commensurable definition and conceptual scheme. And the Torah preferred to speak in contradictions. And the Rambam and the Torah hid it from the general public. Interesting, the Torah also has Pshat Rebbe's Jewish insight, and that's what the Torah told to do. And the Rambam is coming in the murder of to basically explain or to elaborate this esoteric part of the Torah to those people who really understand. Which is very interesting, because if you look at the Rambam, he does it beautifully in chapter 30. In chapter 30, this, you know, this, this Torah appears at the end of chapter 30. Like the Rambam says, like, there I got off the cuff. No one even... No one, no one even um, catch it. <coughs> but in chapter 30, the Rambam actually, in fact, um, attacks. Um, the Rambam actually attacks people who believe in um, the, the um, right, um, who believe in the eternal universe. The Rambam says, page 349, <coughs> the Rambam comes out against those people who believe the world's eternal. Says the Rambam, now the world has not been created in a temporal beginning, as we have explained. For a time belongs to the created things. For this reason, it says at the beginning. The right? Um, on the other hand, the statement which you find formed by some of the sages, that affirms that time is the full creation of the world, is very difficult. For this is the opinion of Aristotle, which I explained to you. Interesting, the Ramadan says certain state, some states of, statements of Chazal sound like Aristotle. And, it says, and, and the Ramadan says this is no good. Right? And he rejects this completely. So in the beginning of chapter 30, he rejects um, or they try to think, why would Chazal believe something? Whatever it is, Rambam believed that he can reject some Chazal too. But whatever it is, the Rambam says like that. But it comes out, you know, comes out tracing the opinion of the world's eternal, just at the very, very end, when he brings these four verses. By the way, interesting too, this part is like out of 
if you think about it, in chapter 30, he begins about the creation of the world, and then he speaks about the, the days of creation, the six days of creation, he speaks about Adabarishan, and Zohar Nekev, everything. And then at the very end of chapter 30, all of a sudden, like without any connection, he says, there's four words that speak about creation. How can this speak about the very beginning? That's the pshat. Well, you finished everything. You're chait on the barisha. Now you finish it. The last paragraph you have to do in chapter 30. You close the book. Here the Ramakrishna was all secret. He goes back to speak about four. It's, it's, out of, it's clearly, this paragraph at chapter 30 is clearly out of place. It's not in the order of everything else, chapter, chapter 30. And he says, off the cuff, you should know something. Kaina implies the turning of the world. So the Ram is slipping it in with no one even. Lamais, I'll tell you the truth. I, 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 I would be curious to know if anyone's had any even noticed this. But anyway, yeah. But the Lamais, uh, the Rambam's, I mean, if you take the Rambam's explanation of the seventh class succinctly, it's inaccurate. What? The way the Rambam explains the seventh cause of, of contradiction yeah. is inaccurate. What do you mean inaccurate? He's saying that, the Mashmayas is that, that, that what he's saying is that actually the contradictions, in the, within the contradictions, one of the positions is false and, and it's there to conceal the truth. I don't think so. You say, uh, it's like this. So therefore that I'm taking the issue with. That's the way that everybody understands it. But let, let me read, let me, let me, um, let me read from the Hebrew. Okay? Oh, the Rambam says the contradiction is coming to conceal something, but it doesn't mean that one is true and one is false. But it, it's not coming to conceal something. I claim it, no, I claim it is. No, I think, I'm, I'm claiming this, and I think what's going to conceal. In other words, like this. Let me read, let me read the Hebrew, because I think, I think it's an important thing. In other words, in economic, in other words, the Pash, Magal the the Mafal Shemel, and the Vulchen, is that, and that's, that's, that's Strauss assumes that. There's a contradiction A and B, Right? Basically, B is false and A is true. Or A is true and B is false. And the contradicts like a decoy. You might think this is really this. But I, I don't think that I'm saying that. The Rambam says in Hasiba Hashvias, Ladun But what I'm concealing revealing is not the two contradictory things. Part of it conceals sometimes I discuss it from a certain assumption, I say A. Sometimes I discuss it from a different assumption, I say B. But A and B can both be true. That's what I claim. In other words, the way most people learn the Pshat the Rabbim is, is that sometimes when I say A about it, I say things about it as A, but A is not true. Really B is true. But I claim no. The Rabbim is saying is, when I look at something one way, I say A. When I look at something another way, I say B. A and B are both true. They're just the ways of looking at something, right? Now, what am I concealing? What am I hiding? What I'm, I claim what I'm concealing is, you think that A and B are so-so, they're not really so-so. Or let's put it this way. You think that there's a stealer between creation ex steel and turning the universe. It's not true. It's not true. Vahagaya, the term, use both terms. Right, in other words, I wrote, I wrote for the Hamoinam, 
the machloikis between the mushchas Aristotle and between Meshach Rabbeinu. Because the Haman Abishad believes that Meshach Rabbeinu, Bishbi'ayin, is true, and the eternity is kfirah. But really, it might be this, but really, there's no steel between, it might be no steel between the two, because the Torah is both terms. So you redefine truth. You that's right. Stira. You just and a said truth is... No, that's the pshat. In other words, the pshat is, is that <coughs> the fact is there's no contradiction. But the pshat be, I set it up so there's a contradiction. But the fact is there's no contradiction. But that's I mean, the one pshat the Rambam. I mean, obviously, what's... what's uh... What's striking about that shot in the seventh in the seventh cause is that the Rambam is claiming that he's concealing something. Actually, what he's doing is he's he's basically putting out his entire perspective on the issue. I claim, but that's what. So he's not concealing. I mean, he says that he's doing it to conceal something. Because the way I'm explaining is very very good, but no one knows the problem like the Rambam. No, no, no. But, 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 but I want I want to say what's my guy for this? What's my guy for this? The Rambam himself says that the point of the contradiction is to conceal X. Well, my he's not. The reason, the point of the contradiction is to explain X, not to conceal X. I understand that, but really, when he, when he puts X, he puts it in such a way that you wouldn't think he's like at the end of chapter thirty. Let me tell you like this. You know, no, you know, you know where I get this idea from? From the Pesukim. How can you say that God speaks in stairs and one thing is lie, one thing is true? You can't say that. What you can say that a human author lied. He said X, and, and X is not true. You can't say that with the title. If the Rambam is saying that Kana is and Bria is Yeshayim. Is God lying? Is he fooling anybody? You can't say that about God. You can say that about the Ramadan, not about God. The Ramadan is claiming that this use of contradiction, in a certain sense, has a source in the Pesukah Torah. We see clearly, I see clearly, in my opinion, this is Muchach, that the stilas in the usage of attorney versus Christian stilo in the Mayim stem from the stilas in the Pesukah. And you can't say the stilas in the Pesukah is an attempt to, to lie and take half the truth. You can't say that. If you're a firm person. The Ram is a firm person. See, I'm sure the Ram is a firm person. See, you have to see what I'm saying. And that's, I think, uh, I think it fits in very, very nicely. Put it this way. It's Ahol's Das Teva. It's Das Teva, the Rambo. Because, because, if you say in the way the Rambam, either the Rambam becomes like this modern orthodox, you know, Jewish scientist person who's really only interested in science, or becomes uh, an atheist or agnostic. According to what I'm saying, the Rambam is actually professing that there are certain deep truths that could not be given what's called philosophical closure. It's expressed in the Mandavokha, except that what the Hamanon doesn't think like that. The Hamanon thinks that everything is partial. The Hamanon thinks you can prove Judaism, one, two, three. Kuzari principle, whatever. Yeah. Is it a scientific principle that you could have a have a you could have a, a, a contra, an existing contradiction, or you have to come to some type of conclusion? We're saying it's a Torah concept. No, things things could be a dichotomy. Things could be a dichotomy. And yet stay in a, in a yes, a dichotomy, a dichotomy. Yeah, sure. But the idea that there would be a, this idea, the concept that you would have a contradiction, and that would be obscuring a third thing. Which is an underlying thing that resolves it. That, that yeah, but I claim though the Turkey you're gonna have a contradiction in two terms. Things will be contradictory. No, but we're saying that it's contradictory between Kana and, and, and between Bara. Also, but but, but yeah, ultimately Bara. it's ultimately, not contradictory. No, there is no no. There is it, a contradictory. From man's point of view, man no from God's point of view, the Khan right. But from man's point of view, man's logic will only get him so far. 
there's not also oh, there's no there's no there's no human here. way there's no human conceptual way that man can mediate between that contradiction. Also, oh, we're left with Kana and Bara without. That's right. That's it. There's, but isn't there something more no. there that well, that you're saying? No. That's for the Hamonam, but then what's the idea? The Hamonam thinks Kadbara and that's it. And I think oh. Kana's trafe. Oh, so you're saying the, 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 the step up on that is to accept as also Kana, but, yeah. but not to get to the point of yeah. what is the obscure Kana? That's right. What, so that's right. It's like, for example, I once I was in a few years ago when I was in a, one of these camps, so a very famous Tamachachim Maspi, he said that quantum physics must be wrong. Well, because how can that be both a particle and a wave? I said, that's a real Amaratz, that you're a tremendous Amaratz. It means no thing, quantum mechanics. Uh huh. That's the pshat. In other words, for the Amaratzim, things have to be very clear, logical, proof. If you tell me something's a contradiction, forget it. They can't, they, they, they'll say it's not true. Uh-huh. So the tailor hid the contradictions. So the Amaratzim should think it's very important. <coughs> but the, the person who really understands that something is something thing is a contradiction. Because man cannot know God, ultimately. And man has to accept the fact that sometimes the bottom line is not to be a contradiction. So the idea ultimately that this cosmos and this ex nihilo creation has to exist simultaneously. That's right. It, 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 be yeah. able to see that in the world. Is That's it. And that that was what the Rambam ultimately wanted to give That's over. my opinion. Kach dir lefiyani What? The first existential. No, I think it's, I think it's, I think it's, um, I, I think first of all, I think my shot. I mean, I don't mean, of course, I'm, of course I'm the Gia, like everybody else, but I'm saying is I think my Pshat in the seventh course, the mice is partial Pshat. I don't think it's, I don't think it's to learn the seventh course and try to master one over the other. Because then I'm lying. Now, the Rambam can lie, but the Torah can't lie. Or put way, I don't think the Rambam claim the Torah is lying. That's the Pshat in the seventh course. This would only be an agotic piece, but right, agotic part. Right, this would only be Allah is there, right, right. Sheet in a contradiction. No, no, no. In Allah, there would be in Allah. There would have to be a reconciliation. Avada, or there's two dinner. There'll be two dinner. Uh huh. There'll be two dinner. In other words, for example, um, the Torah speaks about certain things in two places, and one place starts speaking about one, and then another. Uh-huh. That that that's for sure true. That's what I'm saying. In other words, in Allah, the Torah works things out. But in um, opinions and beliefs, there's certain things that are that remain obscure. Uh-huh. And that was the Barnavuchan. That was the Barnavuchan. So um, I want to claim the Barnavuchan was a lot deeper safe than people think it is. And it wasn't, the Rambam was not being, um, what you would call it, wicked. In other words, and uh, being devious. Mm-hmm. The Rambam was just trying to explain, I think, to the more educated, understanding people, that there are certain concepts which really man cannot, there's no closure, intellectual closure on them. But it can't be revealed to the Hamayna. Because the Hamayna says you have a closure, they might think it's not true. Mm-hmm. It's not true. So they might look for a simple explanation in Christianity and Islam. The explanation is a little more simpler. Mm-hmm. But there are certain compli- concepts that are much more complicated. And this is the privy of the audience to whom the Rabbim only wants to reach in the Mar Nebuchadnezzar. But, so, but the scholars that read him, as you were saying, Ibn Tabon, in other words, the idea that oh, Ibn Tabon yeah. Ibn, Ibn and Kaspi, these, these high-level scholars, that they would be considered amongst, yeah. we would think considered 
high enough to, 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 to reach this, this interpretation. I, well, I, mean, I, I think they're wrong. That's what, and, you know, in Hashkafa, you know, we can go further. Yeah, I hold them wrong. I hold them wrong. First of all, why do I hold them wrong? Because, in other words, if I just had the Megal of Uchem, you could say they're, you know, but the Ram says it's in Psukim. Uh-huh. I was saying in Psukim. I, 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 I think they had it wrong. I think, look, you know, Rabbi Soloveitchik, in the soon-to-be-published lectures, says something interesting. He says, what's the difference between Ashkafa and Halacha? In Halacha there's Besayah, what's called Besayah, there's Besayah and Halacha. Besayah and Halacha means that every generation looks to interpret the previous generation. In other words, Halacha is a history of interpretation. It's a hermeneutical process all the time. Hashkafa says, this is a Yeshavah Salavajik, Hashkafa is the, happens to be the way people think at a certain time. For example, the Rambam thought like Aristotle, because most intelligent people believed in Aristotle. Just like today, most intelligent people believe in quantum mechanics. It says that, it says, it says in a different age, when people don't think like Aristotle, that Hashkafa is no longer relevant. That's what he says, interesting. He says that Hashkafa is a product of the age. And that's why, says Abyashabel, an idea is true in Judaism only if it's in the halacha. Okay. Hashkafa can never make a claim of truth in Judaism because Hashkafa can change with different mindsets. That's what he says. So um, he says. So that's a whole different approach. To a very different approach, yeah. So he says. So I want to claim is that, in other words, at the time that uh, Naboni and even Kaspi were writing on the Rambam, they believed that Aristotle was the total truth. How can a person not live in Aristotle? So to them, it was tremendous comfort that the table is coming to reveal the secrets of Aristotle. Like one, you know, rabbi wrote some paper uh-huh. that, you know, the going discovered, I don't know, no dark matter or quantum mechanics, whatever it is, everything. It's stupidity, whatever it is. Because somehow, the, the, you know, to them, that was the, the, that, that the so, way Tara can do. Today, we don't believe in that. So, in other words, today we believe in different things. Now, it could possibly be that 100 years from now, someone's going to say what I say and say, Trippus believed in that because he believed in these things. And it could not be right. What I'm saying is that, uh, in other words, Strauss lived in a time that people didn't believe in anything. They believed everybody was an apikoyus, including the Rambam. It was their apikos themselves. They wanted to touch it every other people too. So the Strauss believed it. He's the first of the postmodern deconstructionists, that the author is really, in fact, saying not in spite of himself, but the message he's communicating is really a negative message, what that, you know, he appears to be communicating. And I'm saying no, that basically the Rambam understood, the way I understand it, that there are certain um, philosophical complexities that cannot be given intellectual closure because of the limitness of our thinking. And that's what the Rambam is coming to, to, um, to expose in the Marina Kuchin. That's, that's what I'm saying, okay? <clears throat> okay, I think I'm going to stop over here. This is a good place to start. Um, this is only an introduction. And actually, beginning, uh, I guess, next to we actually go after the first parak. And I'm going to show with this down, if we can understand Mamish, you know, paragraph per paragraph, line to line, what the Ram does in these, um, in these 18 parakim. And how he pops in and pops out and gives us messages what he's trying to do. And that's going to be the approach we're going to use from chapter 12 to chapter 30. I'll stop over here.